guys, it's Isabel. Welcome back to the podcast. Today marks the start of season two, where I will be interviewing different guests in each episode who are in different careers and who all love Disney. Today's guest is the one and only my brother, Edward, who is actually the reason why I love Disney as much as I do. He's a huge fan himself, an elementary school teacher, and one of the sweetest human beings I've ever met. So hopefully you love him after the episode as much as I do. All right, let's get into it. Tell me, how are you? I haven't talked to you in a little bit. Yeah, I am. So I'm actually doing well now. Uh, these last couple of weeks have been incredibly chaotic uh, yeah. just because uh, I am a teacher. So there's a lot of deadlines that we have to meet. So last week, for example, we had to turn in our report cards for the kids by Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. And I had just finished or had them finish their unit on realistic fiction writing and their multiplication test in the last week and a half. You remind prior. me what grade this is? This is fourth grade. I'm sorry. Okay. Fourth grade. Fourth mm -hmm. grade I, in San Diego. And I, they had just finished their realistic fiction writing. They had just finished their multiplication test. And I'm like, oh no, I have to grade all of these before I could turn in the report card so that they could be, you know, accurate grades. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a special school that's a dual language school, dual immersion. So half of the day they're in English. And then the other half, the kids are either in French or in Spanish, depending on, you know, their program and, and what their parents chose initially. So I had 56 essays and 56 math tests that oh I had to grade God. in a week and a half and <laughs> upload them onto the report cards. And I'm just like, okay, if I just do like 20 a day. <laughs> Can you not get help from the teacher or the fellow parents or like friends? Well, no, cause it's grading. I mean, that's one of the parts of teaching that teachers usually don't like is, oh, I have to sit down and grade everything because there is an element of subjectivity, especially with writing. You know, right. Oh, it's not like a say. multiple choice where it's like a B Correct. C, e. and right. that makes sense. I'm the type of teacher that does not give multiple choice for the most part, because you don't really see what the kids know and don't know. Yeah. You know, it's like A, B, C or D. Oh, they chose C. Correct. Hey, it's like, well, you didn't really see anything. So I purposely give more open-ended problems or simple word problems that require them to show their thinking and show their work, then here's a bunch of multiple choice questions and you have no idea if they actually understand or they just guessed correctly. That's true. Cause then that way, if they are all answering their open-ended questions the same, you're like, okay, well, there's obviously a misunderstanding yeah. across the board. Yeah. And mm. some of them are amazing with their, like how they write things down because so I don't I don't know how the age range of you know the average listener I don't know if you know those demographics or not but after 2010 most states switched their curriculum some did common core some have other different names mm -hmm. but the whole emphasis is on can you explain how it works uh, as opposed to anyone who was in the education system pre 2010 it was more like just do it just Answer yeah, it. that's how it was for us, <laughs> right? No, that's and I feel like you know we were in that group, and everyone older than us or a few years younger will will be like, oh yeah, I mean like I know how to solve that multiplication problem, but if you ask me to explain why it works, I'll just uh, I don't know, it just works. 
Yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of like the whole cursive argument, right? It's like, well, we didn't really need to know it, so they cut it out. And I have a coworker who has no idea how to sign her yeah. name. I'm like, whoa, that's yeah. crazy. I'm still teaching it, oh. but my teaching is more like, we're gonna go over the letters a couple times. I'll give you some basic worksheets to do on your own while I'm pulling like a small group to work with me. And it's okay. something we only spend like 20 minutes a week, just kind mm -hmm. of like a quick little tracing letters, simple sentences, you know? Yeah, it was a whole like thing that. for me in third grade. No, I'm not making it a big deal because something that these kids have to do that older generations did not have to worry about was keyboarding mm. for the most part. I mean, yeah. now, now, at least in my school district, it's one-to-one. -one. Each kid has their own Chromebook sponsored by the district. Whoa. So all the Rich time, kids. all the, <laughs> yeah, right all the time we're using google docs google slides uh all these different web and technology apps to kind of show their thinking so i wish i had that it's a lot different now like anyone who right now is in their late 20s or older that's listening to this you probably grew up where you had two computers in your classroom you guys had to like share it's like oh it's Isabel's time to go on the computer for the next 20 minutes and then you don't get it again for like next month because there's only one computer for 30 kids. Right. I think my demographic is mostly 25 to 29 and okay. then the, the second most popular is 18 to 24 and it's like 70% women. Something oh, like interesting. that. So your 18 to 24 listeners, it might have changed when they mm -hmm. were growing up, but late twenties and up for sure. It's, you know, you guys, you guys know what we're talking about. Yeah. You, you guys and gals. Unfortunately, no, we're talking about, oh <laughs> you know, God, exactly we're getting old. What we're, about. We're, we're about the Oregon trail. Let's go. <laughs> I didn't like the Oregon trail. I felt so bad because I would always name each character off of our oh, family. No, members. You made it sentimental. Oh my gosh. I remember oh, one no. time dad died. He got oh. sick and he died. And I was like, Oh, <gasps> I'm never playing this game again. It was the last time I played it because oh, I felt no. so guilty. And I don't even remember if you had a say of what happens or if it was just, you know, a luck game, but I felt part horrible. Of it, part of it was luck, but I remember there were like some situations where if you slow down or if you stopped at a local town and bought more supplies, it would increase your chances of them surviving. Gotcha. But if you're just like, no, I want to make it plowing the fastest, through like <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Sorry, little Susie, you're going down. <laughs> so cute. Okay. Oh so wait, gosh. back on to teaching. Did you yes. always want to be a teacher or did it just kind of fall in your path? So I, I was one of those where I, I, you know, I wasn't, hundred percent sure what I wanted to do until I want to say at the end of college. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 22, 23, whatever that was, because I knew I liked working with people. I knew I liked, uh, I had no problem public speaking. I, a lot of people, they get very nervous for me for whatever reason. I'll, I'll be nervous for a minute and I'm like, and it's gone. I'm good now. Let's go. It's lucky. Start. It's yeah, it is. It's a benefit. I, I really wanted to be a teacher, I'd say, after college when I was, for any of your very long time viewers and listeners, you guys will remember this. I used to work at Trader Joe's. I'm the uh, the bad bagger. If you have any really long time listeners. No, now like you got to say the story because people aren't oh going to know. Gosh. Okay. So a few, a few people might know this. This was what, 2017, I want to say? Yeah. 
I would think about so. About 2017. So I was visiting Isabel uh, and we were outside of Epcot. We were just leaving. We were in the parking lot and just doing a little vlog. And I remember we were just talking about like stories, things that were going on recently in our lives at the time. And at the time I was still working at Trader Joe's. It was shortly after the holidays. And I remember I was ringing up a customer, just normal, you know, cart full of groceries, scanning, putting them in the bags. And I remember this gentleman, probably in his, I don't know, late forties, if I had to. Not a gentleman, I beg to differ. Yeah, this is just being polite. Um, (laughs) And he doesn't really say anything the entire time that I'm ringing up the transaction. So I'm like, okay, awkward. Uh, He's just kind of there. And I'm bagging everything up and I said, okay, sir, you know, here's your receipt, have a great day. And he just looks at me with this blank stare, just odd expression. He hadn't been talking this entire time. He says, you're a bad bagger. And, I, and I'm like looking at the bags to double check. Like, did I put bread like under the cans of tuna? Like, what right, like I how do? badly did you mess like, up? I'm just, I'm like, I've been bagging for years. I don't think I did a bad job. I see all the heavy stuff at the bottom, the light stuff on top. The bags aren't too heavy. I spaced them out in your cart. I'm like, am I missing? So I'm like double checking. He doesn't say anything. He just takes it and walks away. I'm like, what, what just happened? Was, was he, he like, having a bad day? You think? I don't know. He Cause he didn't say anything. <laughs> he was just staring at me the entire time. Oh man, you're bigger than me. I would have probably been like, wow, you're incredibly rude. Like, uh, I don't know. I would be like, take my ID, I don't know. my I mean, job. You work, I don't care. <laughs> if you work retail long enough, you either get very easily offended or you just kind of learn to brush it off. And I think thankfully I was the second one. I was like, you know what? Yeah, desensitized. Yeah, and most most of the people I interacted with were great, but as always, you could have a hundred great interactions, and if you have one bad one, that's unfortunately the one you tend to remember. That's mm-hmm. the the bad thing about human psychology. Shout out to all the retail workers out there, y'all are uh, the real MVPs. Yeah. Especially now, it just it's gotten worse with all of the, you know pandemic Mm -hmm. information constantly changing different mandates different cities with different requirements and if you work at like a border city Mm -hmm. oh just i can't imagine um i mean even going from florida to california and it's just so different all the rules everywhere is just different oh yeah and i don't know how it is in florida but in i think it's a state mandate a few years ago they made it so that you have to charge for bags 10 cents per bag in California, but not in Florida. And they, and California flat out does not have, uh, one single use plastic bags anymore. Oh, it just, it's been about, gosh, I want to say about four years or so since that's been a thing. When I moved um, out in 2016, they had just implemented the like five or 10 cent charge, but there was still, you know, the plastic option. mm -hmm. So I, yeah, I don't know what that's like now not having. Yeah. But pretty much no, or maybe some liquor stores will have single use plastic bags, but not traditional grocery stores. And that was a big deal for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I got a kick out of it because I would have people that would go to my line and spend like a hundred dollars on groceries. And I'm like, Hey, would you like to spend 20 cents on two bags? So I could at least get like the bulky stuff in there or the lighter things so that they could carry it. And, and like, no. And they would like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, this stuff outside of the store, like on their shoulder, like carrying it. I'm like, all right, if you want to risk dropping a hundred dollars worth of groceries because you don't want to drop 20 cents on a bag or two bags, I get it, but you look ridiculous. Or even spending a dollar on one of the 
you know, the bags, the that, bags. Yeah, yeah, the better quality ones and just bring it next time and carry the hard stuff like the, I don't know. It was gallon extremely of entertaining to watch what <laughs> people do when something that used to be free is no longer free. Well, we go to Sam's Club every week and we have used the same cardboard box because it's kind of like Costco, right? Where they have all of the, the trash boxes, yeah. but you can yeah. use that as your bag. Mm -hmm. Just use that. So we haven't used a plastic bag and it's smart, like forever, really. Yeah. It's just kind of changing what you're used to. Yeah. And it gets done. It's a less convenient, I guess, but I mean, better for the environment. So, oh I'm, yeah, I'm down for the inconvenience. Absolutely. All right. So teaching kind of came yeah, so to your path. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. We just went on five different tangents. Classic. Um, classic. Uh, yeah. So I, what helped me with kind of learning that I wanted to be a, a teacher was really working with you when you were little, hmm. where I remember when you were a little kid, you know, I would be the one that would help with homework and help with, you know, little like, oh, let's do a, a pretend quiz to get you ready for your math test or for your, you know, spelling test. And we'll just practice on the side because both of our parents uh, worked when, when we were in school, so they didn't really have time to, to help. Mm -hmm. But especially when you were a kid, it was all about memorizing your multiplication factor to be tested on memorizing, yeah, which I don't speed. do anymore because I think that just stresses kids out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, great. That's, that's what you want your first impression of math to be when you're eight years old. It's like, if you don't memorize your multiplication facts, All right, what's seven times seven, what's eight times six, you're doomed. So I try to, I try to do a lot more games and, and things like that, that make it more fun and more competitive. And it works. If you do anything to get kids competitive, oh my gosh, it's hilarious what they'll do. <laughs> it's uh, fun. It is, it is make it more exciting. So I wanted to uh, be a teacher because I enjoyed working, working with you. And, and when I was in high school, I was also a peer tutor in a math class. So my senior year of high school, I was a peer tutor for an algebra class and it was fun. I actually enjoyed just like, Hey, let's pull a small group. Let's work on these facts. Let's, you know, make a game out of it. And I, that combined with the fact that I don't really get nervous in front of people, public speaking for the most part helped to make that decision. And <clears throat> that's when I decided to go back to school in 2016 to pursue a teaching credential. Mm. Crazy. Oh my gosh. It's been over five years. Whoa. Time flies though. <laughs> yeah, it does. So are you happy with that decision? Like what's your favorite part? I am. Uh, I mean, I love teaching. I, there was actually on, I, did, I completely forgot the person's name, but it was on Twitter. Someone posted this analogy that I thought was brilliant where he used the teaching door analogy, where when the door is closed and it's just you teaching the kids, helping the kids, working with the kids, doing projects with the kids, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic seeing those aha moments like, oh my gosh, I used to hate it. Now I understand it. Now I get it. Now this is easy. I can't believe this used to be hard. Oh, whoa, I can't believe I wrote all of that. Oh, I used to hate social studies, but we did this really fun poster project and now I enjoyed it. Like those moments are awesome. What isn't awesome and every teacher or everyone who knows a teacher will immediately understand is the analogy of when the door opens up and suddenly you have to deal with kids bullying each other, kids mm. fighting or arguing at recess or lunch, parents emailing you at 10 o'clock at night 
saying, oh my gosh, is the project due tomorrow? I, they didn't, they needed help. And in my head, I'm like, you've had three weeks on this. Why are you waiting till 10 o'clock in the right. night before? Um, especially with, with COVID, the last couple of years have been so strange with primarily Zoom uh, teaching, trying to figure all of that out. Uh, dealing with technology issues. That's the part that's just been absolutely exhausting. But do I regret being a teacher? No, I do not. I'm I'm very happy. I get a lot of positive feedback and I enjoy working, working with the kids and kind of try to focus on that more than all of the outside forces going on. It's such an interesting perspective because when I think of what being a teacher is probably like, I think of the closed door. I think yeah. of, wow, you get to help these kids learn new things and make that moment where it just clicks in their head and they're like pumped to go to class and, you know, seeing the progression. Mm -hmm. But I don't think of the bullying, the late night emails, all of the other. The grading. You know, the, yeah. The planning. Yeah. The nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I've had a handful of kids in my, you know, fairly short teacher career. I've been a teacher for four years and I've had a few students who have family members that are teachers and they understand, they understand that my day doesn't end when they leave. You know, I have a late start school that goes from 8.50 to 3.30. So it's, it's later than most schools, mm -hmm. but I have a few of my students that stay in the after school club that's right outside of my classroom until 5, 5.30. And a lot of times I leave after them or I leave Ugh. at the same time as them and they're like, wait, school was out at 3.30. Why are you still here? I'm like, oh, well, I was grading the papers. I was getting lessons ready for tomorrow. I had to go to the copy room, but the printer wasn't working. So then I had to unjam the printer and then uh, make my own copies. Then when I was there, another teacher asked me to help them look at this new program. So then I checked in with them and then I stopped by the principal's office because we wanted to touch base on a meeting that we have next week. And, and next thing you know, you look at the clock and it's 5.30 and you're like, what are, why am I here? Like, I'm, I need to go grab dinner. And I'm, and I'm not done. I still have stuff to do. And that's the part that you don't really know as a kid or as a non-teacher. You think, oh, please, you have a, I don't know, six and a half, seven hour day. I'm like, well, yeah, but then I spend two to three hours a day grading, cleaning, organizing, planning, meeting, mm. answering emails. So it's more like a 10, 11 hour day um, on what? average. I have a theory that kids think teachers are robots and they turn on at 8 a.m. and turn off no. <laughs> at like 4 p.m. Like I, the idea of my elementary school teachers even having a life outside. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I remember when they would come in and their like significant other would go drop them off lunch. And we were like, ooh, like <laughs> no way. Like a little glimpse into their life. And yeah, yeah it was just so weird to even think about. Yeah, it's true. I've actually seen a handful of my students outside of school, especially when I, there was a brief period where I was working at Trader Joe's on the weekend and uh, teaching during the week because I didn't have full job security yet as a new teacher. So I just kind of kept that as a, as a little um, backup. And I would have, because my school was literally like a mile and a half away from the Trader Joe's. So families would come on in all the time, like, Mr. Dacian, how are you? How, how's everything going on? Or purposely try to like, they were looking at me like, what are you doing here? Like, 
I thought you were only at school. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be super weird to see my teacher working at Trader Joe's. I know. But I don't know. I kind of love it. It makes you seem more real. Them, most of them, though, really enjoy just saying hi. And this was pre-COVID and, and Trader Joe's. I don't know if they still do, but they used to have a kind of open try policy where if you wanted to try something, you would just let them know and they pop open a bag and you could you could try whatever it is you wanted. What? Yeah. Oh, here, secret, Secrets of Trader Joe's. Yes. I don't know if they still do it. It's a little disclaimer because COVID's changed mm -hmm. a lot of things. But previously, you could take a bag of chips or cookies or whatever and go to a crew member or go to the demo food area of, like where they would serve samples and say, oh, can you please open this? I'd like to try it. And they would, they'd open it up and you could try it. Now, obviously they're not gonna do that with like steak and shrimp and lobster tail. They're not gonna look, oh yeah, give me a sec, me, you know, cook this up, <laughs> cook it up. Style medium well. <laughs> right. But, oh, yeah, they're not gonna do that. But if it's a $3 bag of chips that you wanna try, like, yeah, sure, here you go. That is crazy. So you're telling me if I wanted to try their little banana bread, I could just go up to the counter and say, Hey, I want a slice of this. Yeah. I, yeah. I that does not sit well with me. So that is I, I don't know if they still do that though. I feel like COVID changed. They probably don't lot. because that whole sample section isn't even a thing. No, it's basically a display unit now. <sighs> COVID ruined everything. Let's just, yeah. let's just end it with they that. So <sighs> with, with the families that I knew, I would, I would totally be like, Hey, you want to try this? Like, and they're like, okay, yeah, and we just open up a bag and they try and they, they thought they were like celebrities. I'm like, technically anyone could do it, but right. Uh, they don't it, know that. It made them, it made them feel special. It's like, oh, Mr. Jossie opened the bag of or Jojo's for us or basically Trader Joe's Oreos. And we got to try, it was great. You know, little mm -hmm. things like that. It's like your magical moments. Yeah. Okay. So you're a teacher now, but if you could reverse mm -hmm. and pursue a different career, so, you know, erase it, you're 18 years old, yeah. going into college, what would be a different career path you would choose? Teacher is not an option. This would be a, it's kind of a double-edged sword. So I, I always enjoyed statistics growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I took AP statistics in high school, took a, a year in college, and that was something I enjoyed doing, although it's been a long time mm -hmm. since I've taken a course. But I thought it's a pipe dream, but a really cool idea would be to transition that into a statistician for basketball. I'm a huge NBA fan. Oh. So it, it's funny because it's only within the last 10 years or so that statistics have gained a huge uh, play in basketball. It's always been pretty big in baseball, but in basketball, it's only recent, recent years that it's really transformed how teams play because they did a lot of analytics and looked at statistics of everything. And that's something that would have been a cool thing to pursue. But in the back of my head, the worry I've had, and this is also a worry why I never applied to work at Disney, is do you want to mix the thing that you enjoy doing as a hobby with your job and kind of risk looking at that thing in a different way? So that was my favorite part about working for Disney. I mean, I, okay. I'm still currently employed, but I did have a little bit of that fear of, oh no, I'm mixing my favorite thing with now my source of income. But it almost made things even cooler because I knew things 
that no one else knew, whether it was, you know, behind the scenes, really magical secrets or just a different perspective or even what it looked like backstage. Like, I just thought everything was so different than what I thought of when I was a guest. So I'm sure there would have been elements where you probably wouldn't like the NBA Mm-hmm. Experience. <laughs> hey, hey! Shout out to Disney RIP. Um, <laughs> but I think you would have liked it. But you know, that's something that I wish we knew in high school is that there were ways to blend interests that you have with things that you're learning in school, right? Because you think statistics. What am I going to use that for? Except for. Yeah. Vegas, right? <laughs> but yeah, you can blend the NBA that you really like with statistics, or you could be an Imagineer and blend it with Disney and be an Imagineer, right? Like there's so yeah. many ways to blend things that you were just unaware of. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I wish that there was more of an opportunity of that conversation before you enter college, because sometimes it's a little late, you're invested three yeah. and a half years and you're like, oh crap, maybe I would have pursued, I don't know, something in I, STEM. I think- I think though that's why there's a lot of people that's encouraged taking that leap year. Mm. You know, this idea the gap year. Of, gap year. I'm still leap year. I'm sorry. Gap year. Thank <laughs> you. Hey, every four years. I know. <laughs> uh, this idea of find out what it is that you want to do and find out who it is you are as a person mm. and that will help you. And that's totally true. And here's the thing that I find ironic about college is your brain doesn't fully develop until your mid twenties. I think it's 25 when it's fully developed. And the last part of your brain is the one that dictates how you rationalize things. Yeah. Your frontal lobe. Yeah. So it's kind of funny to me that by 25, you're supposed to be out of college done and a year or two into a career. And yet that's when you're not even fully like matured yet. So it's, it's a little, ironic yeah and then you have the societal pressures where they say okay by the time you're 22 you need to have your bachelor's degree and i felt so guilty just Mm. getting mine this year like i got Mm. it in may and that was i mean i graduated high school in 2014 like that was a long time so i don't know it makes me feel like people thought i was a bad student or whatever but I mean, I graduated with a really high GPA, it was like 3.9 yeah. plus. Mm-hmm. And I have zero student debt. I never took a penny out. Thankfully, Disney paid for that. So I don't know. I agree that taking the gap year is probably the way to go. Experience yeah. some life, see what you like. Yeah. And in your case, you don't have any any student loans to worry about. So can't believe it. Which is I don't even huge. pay for books. Yeah, that's really nice. I actually had to uh, pay for a background check when I got into my master's program and it was like 50 bucks, which I mean, isn't too bad, but I mean, it's 50 bucks. And I was just looking a couple, maybe two weeks ago, I was looking on the tuition reimbursement page that Disney has and there was an option for background checks. So I submitted my receipt from May and in the next paycheck, I got the 50 bucks back. Like, isn't nice. that crazy? Like, oh yeah. my gosh, I just can't even believe it. That is nice. Saved so much money. Which, when I got hired, it wasn't a thing. Like, this free tuition thing wasn't a thing. So, it just kind of fell into my lap, thankfully. Yeah. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, so speaking of the amazingness of Disney, 
This mm-hmm. is obviously a Disney-ish podcast. So we got to yeah. talk about it. So you grew up going to Disneyland because yes. from Southern California. And you've visited Disney World now four times. Is that right? Let's see. Um, twice with Natalie. Mm-hmm. My sister. Once with mom. Mm-hmm. once alone yeah so four times okay that's what i thought but i was like maybe there was a fifth time in there somewhere no that's not yeah to my to my memory four okay so say we have someone from the middle of nowhere let's say mm-hmm. nebraska and shout out nebraska <laughs> i know that's where my school is so i'm like okay well i you know I'm, i like nebraska So someone from Nebraska comes up to you and they say, Edward, I have a free ticket to go to Disneyland or Disney World. Which one am I going to? Which one would you say? Which one would you recommend? And and can I give a technical answer and a... Sure. All right. So easy answer, Disneyland. Mm, Like easy answer. Okay. Easy, 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 easy answer. Hmm. Technical though. If you have two days to spend in a place or three days, go to Anaheim, go to the Disneyland Resort, Disneyland, California Adventure, Downtown Disney. If you have three days, go there. If you have more than three days, if you're taking like a week plus long vacation, go to Disney World. Hmm. And I could go into detail if you want. (laughs) So I agree. But as a first time visitor, I kind of like the idea of sending them to Disney World because you've mm-hmm. got airport transportation. You have so many resorts to choose from to stay at. So if you need something that's pretty inexpensive, you've got the less than $100 a night options. Yeah. And you have the yeah, thousand plus options. And then you've got so many parks. You've got two water parks and you've got Animal Kingdom, which is a, like a zoo. And you've got of course, like the iconic Magic Kingdom, but then you also get to like travel around the world in Epcot and mm-hmm. Hollywood Studios is like kind of California adventure-y. So I would mm. recommend there, even though personally, I think Disneyland is more magical. Yes. But I would still send them to World. That makes sense. Even there, if they there's... only had like two days. Oh, okay. See, that's that's my thing though, is because Disneyland and California Adventure are significantly more intimate because mm-hmm. They were made at a time when when Walt and Roy didn't have, you know, ridiculous amounts of money pouring in. Mm-hmm. They could only buy a certain amount of land, and because the 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 lands themselves, Disneyland and California Adventure, are so compact, it really feels like a greatest hits mm. park. Like you can't what you can't have an attraction in Disneyland or California Adventure that isn't either sentimental or unique or special because there's just not enough extra land to promote it. That's true. You know, here's how I like to put it is if you think of Hollywood Studios, right? Mm-hmm. In in Orlando. The major attractions that everyone's going to talk about, I would say are uh Rise of the Resistance, uh, so of course, Smugglers Run, but they're in the same area. You mm-hmm. have Runaway Railway, the Slinky Dog Dash, and Tower of Terror. Mm-hmm. Disney has, or will soon have, all but one of those attractions. Slinky Dog Dash being the exception. That is true. I mean, I guess they also have Rock and Roller Coaster, but that's kind of like, but I yeah. mean, they have a roller coaster there too. 
I, I personally am not a huge roller coaster fan, so that's why I kind of put that on tier two. But <laughs> I can like, completely Ew. get why. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> but I love Aerosmith though. Yeah, it's definitely a thrill ride, which is yeah. not something I think Disney prioritizes. So it's no. good for that. And then Beach. if you think of Animal Kingdom, yes, they have Flight of Passage, which I love. I Me love too. Flight of Passage. Oh my gosh, I could write that like 10 times in a row. <laughs> uh, mom couldn't well, though. Mom couldn't. <laughs> she hated it. <laughs> yeah, Poor mom. That's a four and a half minute ride. She was just screaming the whole time. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, just close your eyes. You're literally moving like a couple of feet. Like, uh, oh gosh. Um, so, and then elephant in the room is I think Indiana Jones and Temple of Forbidden Eye is just so much more exciting and thrilling than Dinosaur. Well, Dinosaur is a little scary too. Dinosaur is scary. Well, it's it opens up dark. with a dinosaur eating another dinosaur. And you're yeah. like, oh, okay, sure. And then you've got, I mean, the whole premise is scary, right? Like you're going- Back in time. Back in time, but before the asteroid hits. Yeah. Like it's kind of a scary premise and you've just got like a dinosaur screaming at you and yeah, it's just, uh, it's an interesting heard, concept. I've heard too, that at the very end when it has like the foot stomps and you being like, chased by the dinosaur, that that used to be louder, louder. Mm -hmm. than it is now. I've heard that too, down. which is crazy because it's yeah. already so loud. Yeah. It's, it's a scary ride, uh, <laughs> but I just, the layout is practically the same if not exactly the same as indiana jones but i just close my eyes and imagine <laughs> to me indiana jones is exciting and adventurous and the queue the queue is cool too it is and to me dinosaur is just scary <laughs> i agree <laughs> so that's just me oh you're swaying me on my answer now maybe i would send them to disneyland <laughs> that's, no that's what i'm saying though is when you have a short amount of time, there's you, you could get Disneyland California Adventure done, depending on the time of the year, two, maybe three days. You'll you'll get through nearly everything. Mm. If you try to do everything in Disney World in two or three days, you can't. Get, you can't. It's well, gonna take uh, unless you, I guess, get the new Lightning Lane Genie Plus thing, and then True. maybe if you had a VIP tour guide, you could kind of just like walk on to all the rides. Okay, so there are ways, but, expensive. but because there's just so much more to do, like Disneyland Resort, you have the three Disney hotels, you have Disneyland, you have California Adventure, and you have Downtown Disney, and mm -hmm. then you're done. That's it. In Disney World, you have the four theme parks, the two water parks, Disney Springs, which is significantly larger than Downtown Disney. You have 20 some odd hotels. I don't even know how many there are. I think uh, it's 20 something. Yeah, I think it's in the 20s. You have significantly more restaurants. You have miniature golf courses. Mm -hmm. You have True. Um, different modes of transportation that in themselves feel like attractions. Yeah, that's the Skyliner definitely feels I like an attraction. Loved, oh my gosh, that's something I absolutely love about Disney World is, oh yeah, I took uh, the Skyliner from my hotel to uh, Epcot and then I took a boat from Epcot to Hollywood mm -hmm. Studios and then took a bus, you know, back to uh, Magic Kingdom to catch the fireworks show, and then walked across the bridge to my hotel. And you know, there's just there's so. Or much took to the do. monorail to your hotel. Or took the monorail. Yeah, I didn't even mention the monorail. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it really is like a a world. 
yeah yeah it there's so much more to do that if you even have like you go for a week and you have five days at the theme parks one day to just hang out by the pool and mm -hmm. one day to check out other hotels or disney springs like you're you're fine <laughs> like you don't have to worry at all yeah it's a park day in itself yeah that's true but i do like how manageable disneyland is you can just walk everywhere you can and it's short it's a short walk it's not mm -hmm. like a you know 15 the minute longest walk, walk is going to be what from disneyland hotel to paradise pier, probably. Paradise pier is probably a little longer yeah yeah and even that's like 15 yeah depends on how you walk fast <laughs> so probably 10 for you yeah okay so we're gonna play a little game now okay the disney edition <laughs> so it's questions going from easiest to hardest so oh boy, as man. you get easy or as you pass the easy one, then we'll go harder and harder and harder until you can't get any more. There's only a few questions, so okay. you're probably going to get all of these because you're pretty good. We'll see. All right. <laughs> starting off super easy. What does Hakuna Matata mean? No worries. Nice. It means no worries. For, For the rest, the rest of, your, of days. your days. All right. <laughs> Who was the first Disney princess? The first Disney princess? Mm-hmm. So it's the first princess movie. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of Sleepy Beauty or Cinderella. Which one came first? I'm gonna say so, Aurora, right? Sleepy Beauty. That's my guess. Oh, is it, it Cinderella? No way. Is it Snow White? Oh my gosh, 1937. Yeah. Wait, how do you know the the freaking year? <laughs> I completely forgot. For some reason, I associated the castles with the princesses, but yeah, Snow White was was the first. Yeah, Snow White did get a little gypped with the whole castle thing. That's so weird. Why is it that Snow White? Well, okay, she didn't have a castle scene in the movie. I knew that. I don't know why, for some reason, I thought of the castles. So when I actually wrote down these questions, yeah, I had to double check that it was Snow White. <laughs> yeah, no, Snow White was the first full-length animated film by Disney. That's why it kind of uh, launched the Disney yeah. name, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean they had a bunch of, of shorts, well, mm -hmm. of course, with like Mickey and all that before. But that was the first one. And if I remember correctly, it was it cost like a fortune to get that. Yeah, movie. but I think they made it all back in like oh, the yeah. first. No, it was it, it made a huge profit. Run. You know. All right. Well, you know what? I'll give you a freebie. Next question. All right. <laughs> Which city does Princess and the Frog take place in? Cities. Uh isn't New Orleans? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I've only seen that movie once. So like, oh gosh. I I think I've only seen it once all the way through, and then I've seen a bunch of snippets of it here and there. Mm -hmm. All right. What year did Disney World open? Uh, October 1971. I forgot the exact date. It's Whoa. October 25th? October 1st. October 1st. Okay. But nice. Do you know Disneyland? Uh, yeah. July 17, 1955. Good job. All right. Last question. Okay. In, in Coco, mm -hmm. which musician does Miguel idolize? This is our the hardest question, so it's okay oh, to get it wrong. Oh, I know. I'm totally drawing a blank on his name. Okay, I'll give you his first name and you have to tell me his last name. Okay. Okay, his first name is Ernesto. De La Cruz. Nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. Round yeah. of applause. That was great. That was great. Oh, yeah. Coco's another one that I, I've only I've seen it actually like three times. I love that movie. I just completely drew a blank on his name. Um, 
but I have a funny story about that one. About Coco? About Coco. What? Me watching. Okay, so I didn't watch Coco until it was about to leave theaters back when it was out. And I remember going on like a Thursday evening and there was, I think, two other people in the the screening that I went to for Coco. It It had already been out for like a month at that point, if not more. And I remember sitting towards the back, just kind of watching the movie and you know, I don't want to give too many spoilers for those that may not have seen it, but there's some extremely emotional and mm-hmm. sentimental moments in that movie. There's and more I than cry one. like three times. And I remember in the theater, I just full blown, just like, ah, you know? oh. just like and I remember I like stopped because I need to like wipe my, my tears and get a drink of water. And I could hear like the two other people in the theater doing the exact same oh. thing as me. Like you could just hear it. Well, it's really emotional. Jacob never cries, yeah. but he cried in Coco. Yeah, and that's that's what I have no qualms of saying I did. Yeah, it's a uh, pretty emotional, but it's such a phenomenal movie. Yeah. Did you see Onward? No. I oh my seen gosh! There's so many movies that I'm behind on with Disney because just I've been very preoccupied. That's the only one that. I would really recommend because I, I think you would like it just based off of like who you are and your yeah. upbringing and all of that. I, I think that you would I really love it. I definitely need to watch it. And I mean, I have Disney Plus, so it's right there. I just mm. have to make a couple hours to I, know, I use your account. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. So to end this podcast, mm-hmm. I need from you. An embarrassing story. It could be on a range of one to ten. An embarrassing story. It, it's up story. to you. Whatever you want to disclose. I should have prepped you on this. Yeah. I mean, you've you've told you've told my embarrassing story on one of your podcasts. <laughs> About you on Tower of Terror. About me on Tower of Terror. <laughs> That's easily number one. Oh my gosh. An embarrassing story. Okay. Well, here's another another embarrassing story where. I was incredibly paranoid, not just of drop rights. Drop rights still, like, nah, we're good. But roller coasters now, unless it's crazy fast or crazy high drops, I, you know, I, I don't mind going on. Like all the Disney roller coasters I could ride. I feel mm-hmm. pretty confident about that. Uh, the one that might give me a little little jittery is um, the rock and roller coaster. But the rest, I'm like, yeah, I've been on all the other ones. Uh, but I was really paranoid of roller coasters growing up. And I didn't go on Space Mountain until the 50th anniversary of Disneyland, which oh. was 2005. So at that point, I was 16 years old. Like I was a teenager before I felt truly comfortable going on, on roller coasters. And then when I went on it, I'm like, okay, that wasn't that bad. Why did I make such a big deal of it? Yeah, but, that's most fears. Yeah. It's worse in your head. But I was just really afraid of roller coasters until I was a teenager. And then I kind of started to get over it and realize it's really not that bad. What were you afraid of? Uh, For me, it was just, especially Space Mountain in particular, I don't like when I can't see what's in front of me. That's fair. Which is partly why um, I don't do well with darker roller coasters, hence rock and roller coaster. If I can't see the track in front of me, it it gives me this uneasy feeling. That's fair. I mean, that's kind of how I feel when you go to a water park and you're in one of those slides that are the the tubes mm-hmm. where it's just like nothingness yeah, and you're I don't just like falling that and it's in water and 
I can do it. I just really don't like doing it. So I feel like I, I understand. Yeah. So that's me when you have these, you know, seven-year-old kids going on it. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. That's the worst <laughs> when you're freaking out and you see like a seven-year-old come off and they're like, woohoo, that was so fun. And you're like, great. Yeah. Just, just kick me while I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, seven-year-old. All right, Edward. Thank you so much for being my first guest on the podcast. You were amazing. And I'm sure the listeners would love hearing about your teacher stories and Disney history. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. And I hope that they enjoy listening to it and get some more guests in the future. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening. Please follow the podcast and I'll talk to you guys real soon. Bye.